If you're an impact investor and believe in the power of patient capital to change lives, build communities, and create a more inclusive economy, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to the best podcast, short for Black Entrepreneurs Survive and Thrive, where we share the impact of patient capital when combined with the grit, resilience, and determination of Black entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman, founder and CEO of Ironbound Boxing and Ironbound Media, both based in Newark, New Jersey, where I have a passion for all things social impact, economic development, and community empowerment. On this episode of The Best Podcast, I'm joined by Ayanna Morris, founder of Newark Moonlight Cinema, a Black-owned drive-in movie theater located in Newark, New Jersey, that Ayanna and her husband Shuri launched in the middle of the pandemic to create a fun and entertaining experience for the city. Newark Moonlight Cinema has been featured in multiple media outlets, including CNBC, NPR, and countless others. On the show, Ayana opens up about what made her come up with the idea, how she and her husband acquired the necessary capital to put it all together, and how she wants to create more impact, bringing her model to other communities across the country. Before you hear from Ayana and I, make sure you subscribe to the Best Podcast newsletter at the link in the show notes. You can also subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever listening service you're using today. We'd greatly appreciate if you left us a review and shared this podcast with someone in your network who you feel can benefit from hearing these inspiring and uplifting stories. We appreciate you for tuning in with us today and hope you enjoy the following episode. Ayana, welcome to the best podcast. How's it going? It's going good. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to sit down and talk to you about thriving and striving as a Black entrepreneur. (laughs) I'm going to tell y'all, Ayana, you are one of my favorite entrepreneurs. And here's why. Because, you know, there's so much talent here in Newark. And a lot of times, you know, the entrepreneurs that you see on the cover, like the Forbes magazine or the Inc. and all these different platforms, a lot of them tend not to look like like, like us. And a lot of them are these venture-backed tech startups. When you think about black small businesses hooking and jabbing, you're someone I think of because when you all launched the Newark Moonlight Cinema, it was at such a time where we needed it, you know? Mm -hmm. And then to find out that that was a a Newark couple that set that up, I was like, this is awesome. So I'm super honored to have you on the podcast. And it was really cool for me to actually get to hang out with you all as part of the New Jersey Black Business, New Jersey Devils Black Business Spotlight. Yes, thank you. It's It's an honor to be here. So for our listeners who are not familiar with you and the Newark Moonlight Cinema, can you go ahead and uh, talk to us about uh, about the cinema and also your just background as an entrepreneur and where we are today? Yeah, sure. So Newark Moonlight Cinema is the brainchild of myself and my husband, Sari Morris. Uh, It started out during the pandemic as an idea. I'm a filmmaker. You know, I had just completed a film that year and I thought I was going to be traveling to all these different film festivals, you know, with my film. But, you know, festivals turned to virtual. You can go in a movie theater because of the risk of spreading COVID. and one festival I did get to participate in, they did the pop-up drive-in movie theater concept. And um, I thought it was smart. And I was like, 
I sort of set up and I'm like, I think I could do this. <laughs> um, so I uh, told my husband, like, I had this idea. I'm like, I want to open up a pop-up drive-in movie theater just for a few weeks in the summer just to, you know, do something, get people out the house. I'm like, nobody can go anywhere. It's it's a smart idea. And he agreed. And, you know, my husband, you know, he's like a real business guy. So I have to sell him more things. I always have great ideas. And he's used to me coming up with thousands of ideas. And then, you know, this one I didn't really have to sell him on. So I knew it was a home run. He made the suggestion of using the Bear Stadium. Um, we reached out, made a few phone calls, and then we were able to put it together. And we opened up the drive-in in like 45 days. What was the response like from the community? Oh, it was amazing. It was well received. And I was surprised. You know, you think you have an idea, you think it's smart, but you don't know how people are going to react to it. And even in the process of like, you know, trying to obtain certain permits and, you know, when we first went into the stadium, it was literally like piles, like three feet piles of just huge concrete because they had just demolished the actual stadium and they hadn't cleared the debris yet. So even in that process of my husband, like reaching out to different people to kind of help with the transformation of the space. We got a lot of great feedback. Everybody was like, this is a great idea. We really need this. Like, thank you for doing it. So even before we opened, we were reassured that, you know, we were on to something really good. Um, so that was very, you know, that was affirming to hear. So we appreciated that. And then on day one, like we put the tickets on sale a week before we opened. And my, my husband, he's like, he worries all the time. He's like, oh, my God, the tickets aren't selling. I think we had only sold, like, maybe 20 tickets or something like that. And then the day of, we literally sold 300 tickets that day. And then we had almost 400 people show up on opening night. The The movie theater, I mean, the show and I went to was for Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Y'all were out there. Y'all had the costumes on. And this is an important thing to talk about, which is, you know, you're also hiring locally in the community. Oh, so absolutely. you've got... You know, you've got young men and women out there serving popcorn. You've got them out there guiding traffic, getting everybody um, where they need to be and really building out some economic infrastructure in this time when so many people were out of work, were deemed, you know, non-essential, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we had uh, we had a lot of college students who were forced to stay home because they couldn't return to the dorms. We had a lot of college hired a lot of college kids. We also hired a lot of people who were furloughed because of movie from movie theaters because their theaters weren't open. So we provided a space for, you know, like young college kids who were forced to stay home and for people who work in the movie theater industry to kind of still, you know, you know, keep themselves abreast and still have a job opportunities and still have something to do while they were um, quarantined. Well, not quarantining, but, you know, not able to live their lives at their full capacity. So that was great. So when I said that you were hiring locally, you were like, of course, Right. So clearly there's something there. Why is that? Why is that so important for you to hire locally? I mean, for me, I'm a North born and bred. And um, when I create opportunities, I think about my community. So, you know, outside of fulfilling my own personal goals and needs, I make sure whatever I try to accomplish, it involves the community. And when we thought about opening up the drive-in, you know, I'm like, oh, all right, this is great because we're going to be able to provide jobs. And even for me as an entrepreneur, like I you know, I ran my own production company and maybe I hired five people at a time. 
But I literally went from having no employees to hiring over up to 30 people in a summer. So that was great for me. You know, that's really my give back to the community. You want to do things that are great, but you want to make sure you keep the um, keep the people who are from here involved as well. So you're already an entrepreneur. You got this production company. So clearly you've learned how to take a venture um, from an idea and turn it into something that you can charge people for. Mm-hmm. But take us back to, you know, March 2020, the pandemic hits, right? How were you able to survive, you know, mentally and financially with so much stuff shutting down? I'm going to start with the mental first, because I think that's so important. And I really want to be an advocate for this. You know, I've been in therapy for three years now. So during the pandemic, we couldn't go in person to therapy, but then they switched everybody to virtual. They were, we were doing like telehealth appointments. So even during the pandemic, I was making my weekly therapy sessions and therapy is what really guided me through this time because, you know, Outside of being an entrepreneur, I'm also a mom of two sons um, and, you know, and I'm the only woman in my house. So, you know, there's a lot of different dynamics. Just you have to navigate as a as a woman, as a mom. And you can see my son creeping down the steps now <laughs> and as a business owner and therapy really helps keep me grounded. You know, I say therapy is like having a best friend that never talks back. (laughs) You know, you just really get the vent. And then every now and again, they insert some really important information or help you connect dots. So therapy is what mentally helped me survive the pandemic. And I really suggest everybody sign up for therapy. Um, My family, every time we get together, I'm like, go to therapy. And they kind of like, that's like the running joke now in the family. Like, okay, she's going to throw, this is her therapy tidbit that she's going to throw in now. Um, So that's one. Outside of the financially, I would say that, you know, the importance of being an entrepreneur is understanding that how much you have to diversify and that you really cannot have one stream of income. Because when you see something like a pandemic hit, and if your your business is just service-based, then you know, it's going to be hard to really adjust your services. So at that time, the production company, it was nothing I really could do because, you know, you can get together, you can film. Um, But the real estate, you know, my husband and I, we invest in real estate. That's what really kept us going financially during the pandemic. And, um, And the other thing I would say is, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, it's very it's good to have all your paperwork in order. Like, don't just say you're an entrepreneur. Make sure you have a registered LLC. Make sure you're filing your taxes every year with your business income on it, your personal and your business taxes together. Make sure you have a good accountant. Because when the pandemic hit and opportunities for grants and PPP loans became available, I was also able to take advantage of those because I've had a registered business. My production company has been an LLC since 2010. Um, every year I file taxes with my accountant and I report my income. If, even when I was working as a, t- cause I used to be a teacher too. When I was working as a teacher and doing my production company on the side, I, even from that point, I was following my business income and my personal income <clears throat> on my taxes. So I have a long record that shows that I'm a legal standing business who generates income. So when it was time to go up for $25,000 grants, I were able to get them because I was able to show that there was a real loss in my income because of the pandemic. I love that. And I want to get more into it as we continue talking, because, you know, when we were at the New Jersey Devils event, you were saying that like a lot of us don't know what we're doing, right? We're all just trying to figure it out. We're all kind of making it up. But when I hear you talk, 
and I watch you execute, right? It shows that you already have a strong business acumen, you know? And especially you're talking about the t- having your paperwork filed, having all these things done. We know that a lot of Black-owned small businesses were not able to take advantage of the PPP loan because they didn't have that that foundation covered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're already ahead of the game. Yeah, you know, my father was an entrepreneur. He was an iron worker, but he had his own business. I knew from since I knew since I was a little girl that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I just didn't know where I was gonna land. I knew I liked being creative. I knew I like I know I knew I wanted to be my own boss. So that's something that I've it's funny, literally from a little girl. Like I remember I got in trouble because when I was five, me and my friends, I spent night at a friend house and we was like, Oh, Let's gather up barrettes and we're going to sell them to make some money. <laughs> we're five years old walking up to cars and like, hey, you want to buy these barrettes? I got in trouble, not because I was trying to, you know, my mother appreciated my my grind, you know, my hustle. But she like, you can't just be walking up to cars. You know, somebody could have took you. You're only five years old. You didn't tell anybody. Um, so and then when I was in high school, I remember my friends, we were like a big clique. We had a little name for ourselves. I'm like, hey, let's start throwing parties. You know, just always trying to figure out and from an entrepreneur, from an entrepreneur standpoint, where would I land? So that's something I've always been working on. And uh, I have been a part of, you know, several programs that have been offered by the city um, where they teach you about what it means to be a startup or how to be a startup, how to file your LLC, you know, keeping track of your paperwork, keeping track of your income. So, you know, if you are a new entrepreneur and you don't know where to start, I would suggest signing up. I did like the Eiffel program. I did a lot of things with BCDC when that was a thing in the city, you know, there's so I know like Invest Newark does them now. There's so many programs here in the city that are free if you're a Norker for you to figure out, you know, where to start and, and being an entrepreneur and teaches you how to file your pipe. Fulfill your paperwork, excuse me, and how to, um, you know, keep track of your income. So with you being a Newark native and being around the, the small business community, what did it make you feel like seeing so many black small businesses not succeeding, not thriving during the pandemic? How did that affect you? It hurts, you know, and a lot of the small business community, especially the black and brown, a lot of them are my friends and who came up with me through these programs that I mentioned. Um, It hurts to see it. Um, You know, you want everybody to be successful. You understand the grind and hustle and what it takes to be a small business owner and how much of yourself you put into it, even if you're not making millions of dollars or you're not a billionaire, you know, it's still put a lot of sweat equity in it. And that is that is more valuable than anything. Um, it hurts. It hurts my heart for me to see that. But I just encourage everybody to just be on top of your paperwork. The pandemic was bad in terms of like shutting down industries and people couldn't physically move. But this is the it was so much money flowing through the pandemic. Like, you know, <laughs> I think about the uh, the Migos line, like they turned the pandemic to a pandemic like. That makes sense because it literally was a lot of money moving and so many grants and so many low interest rate loans. Like this is the cheapest time to borrow money right now. Um, And I just encourage everybody just, you know, do your best to try to make sure you have a legal business and, you know, and that you have your paperwork in order so that you can take advantage of these opportunities when they arise. Not only did you take advantage of the opportunities with the grants, but like me, we saw opportunities to create new business models. You with the Newark Moonlight Cinema, me with Ironbound Media and producing podcasts. 
So talk to us now about how you transitioned from just surviving during the pandemic to thriving. The, uh, the one of the biggest advice I would give to any entrepreneur is being able to pivot. Um, you know, I think, especially as a creator, sometimes we get really caught and stuck on an idea. Like, no, this is the way I want it to be. And and if it's not that way, if it's not perfect, then, you know, we don't pursue it or we spend a lot of time trying to perfect an idea and that we lose, we're wasting time as a, and not executing that idea. Um, so being being able to pivot is very important. When I look at like Blockbuster, you know, and how they laughed at Netflix. And now Blockbuster is a dead business and Netflix is thriving. And that's because Blockbuster wasn't willing to pivot. You have to be willing to change with the market, see the loopholes, see where there's opportunity and figure out how can you adjust your business model to reflect the times. And, you know, being a movie theater owner is not something that just came out the woodworks since 2014, I've been talking to my husband about wanting to open up an art house movie theater. We did a lot of research around it. Um, I even went to like Bowtie Cinema in Montclair and spoke with the general manager, like just to see like, what does it take? How do you purchase your films and getting some background information around that. But at that time, we were just starting in the real estate and being entrepreneurs. So we really didn't have the equity and, and the cash to be able to start a, a brick and mortar movie theater because it costs a, a lot of money, like a lot. <laughs> um yeah, so when the pandemic happened, you know, I was like, okay, I see this person doing this, and I always had this idea. It's not the my original idea, but it's a nice remix on it. How can I execute that? And then, you know, when we started, you know, it's all about the bare minimum product. What is the bare minimum you can do to get your idea started? We know we can develop land. We had access to land. We transformed the land. We did not have no movie equipment. So everything was um everything was rented even the screen we had a blow up screen we, we worked with a company who came from Maryland to set up the blow up screen maybe by week 3 we got a call from Amazon like hey we love your story we see what you're doing we're doing something with Michael B Jordan we want you to be a part of it but you know this initiative it has to be rain or shine and with the blow up screen if it rains you cannot put it up so i called my husband and i had already been kind of pushing him to do this but i called him i'm like look i need a screen in 3 days because amazon wants to work with us and this is a great opportunity i need a i need a permanent screen so in 3 days my husband built a 40-foot screen out of shipper containers and this is something in the beginning we were looking at like hey can we do it but the timeline just was too short to try to build this screen and, you know, get permits and transform the land. That's just not something we could do at that time. So we said, hey, scratch the screen. Let's just get the business open. And then in the middle of the business, we were able to make the upgrades once the income came in. So, you know, businesses are always changing. You're always going to be investing in your business. Don't be afraid to pivot. Don't be afraid to switch up your idea a little bit and, you know, start with the bare minimum to get the business open and let it grow from there. I'm, I, you got to write a book or something. I'm just I'm telling you, listen, I don't ever want to hear you say you don't, y'all don't know what y'all are doing. <laughs> okay. You know, you bring the, the credibility you've launched, you raise a cap. You got a lot of stuff going on. So I'm just sitting here. I'm taking notes y'all. Now <laughs> you come up with this idea for this cinema, but obviously this costs a lot of upfront capital. How were you able to navigate that phase of getting the capital needed to build out the screen and all this other stuff? So honestly, the driving 
theater does, does not cost not even half as much as it costs to open up a brick and mortar theater. Um, and some of that is around relationships and, you know, a large part of that is, you know, real estate. When you invest in real estate, you know, that's your foundation. If you, that's what I advise everybody. If you want to be a serial entrepreneur, if you want to have like multiple businesses, I would start with real estate and then take the money from real estate and then use that to invest in other things. Cause real estate is never, is a fail proof model, especially if you're doing rentals, people going to always need somewhere to live. People going to always need somewhere to rent. That's going to always be a thriving market. That's pandemic proof. Like that's for sure. Um, so we took the money, you know, some of the money that we made from real estate, and we were able to use that to invest into the um, into the drive-in movie theater. At what point were you able to get access ca- uh, access to capital outside of your own? So that was in year two because we exhausted our funds in the first uh, in the first build out, and we honestly we opened up two movie theaters in one year. So the first year we put up a, a lot of our own cash and then the second year once we were able to prove that it was a you know a viable model that we made some decent money, we were able to go to NJCC and say, "Hey, we need to relocate. You know, we don't have all the funds to do so. We need some capital to get this second location open." And my husband already has a great relationship with um NJCC through the real estate side. And then we heard about the, the, the initiative they were doing for, for arts. And um, we were able to take advantage of that as well. So one of the reasons, the many reasons we have this podcast is to stress the importance of having access to patient capital, not hostile capital, patient capital, you know, low interest loans. We're not asking for a handout. We just need some money to relocate, buffer losses, get back in the fight, build a sustainable business. Talk to our listeners about how important patient capital was to Newark Moonlight Cinema over the course of this pandemic. Oh, it's it's uber important. And then I really want to give like a shout out to NJCC because they are the most patient lenders that you could work with even before um, the drive-in movie theater. Like I said, they funded a lot of our real estate projects and they are directly they are directly responsible for us building our portfolio to be able to open up something like a drive-in and then even then and turning around and supporting us in year two is very, it's very important because lending is a very tricky thing. And sometimes you feel like when you're going through the process, you feel like you're being scammed and sometimes you are. And if you feel like you're being scammed, you probably should walk away from that loan. Um, You want to have a loan where the interest rate is low because, and I think that's what I was that's what I was kind of alluding to earlier, like during the pandemic, that was the cheapest time to, that's the cheapest money you're ever going to borrow. Um, interest rates typically can go from 11 to 25%, depending on where you're um, getting your source from. But to have low interest rates loan at three, four, five, and 6% is like unheard of. Um, and that's, that's patient lending right there. And then you want to be able to have a timeline that's realistic for you to pay the money back. Because especially if you're running a business, your loan is just one of many bills. You want to be able to have enough. You want to be able to generate enough enough cash to pay all your bills and still be able to pay your employees and then have something left at the end to tuck away for, you know, rainy days. You want to be able to have a profitable business and not have all of your bills drain your income. What was the biggest challenge you faced thus far, you know, taking outside capital? 
see, this is, and I know that this is more from a place of privilege. And I know everybody, the blending part was the easy part this year. That was the easiest. And I think that's because we have a, a great relationship with NJCC. We have several loans that we've made good on. And that's the thing. When you get a loan, you want to pay them. You want to pay them on time. And if it's a short-term loan, you want to get your lender out in the time you say you're going to get them out. And when you build that credibility with banks, when it's time to go back for that fifth, sixth, seventh loan, then it's it's a cakewalk. You know, it's not as um, it's not as challenging. But that way, the lending part was the easy part, honestly. It was the moving to another location and securing that lease and, you know, doing a build out twice in a year. That was that was the biggest part. And we are thankful to NJCC for, you know, giving us the financing to make that a little a little easier and feasible for us. What do you think the lending community is doing wrong or can improve upon? with regards to getting that type of capital to other black entrepreneurs, because, you know, the numbers don't lie, right? Black no. entrepreneurs receive limited access to capital. Um, even when it comes to a lot of these community organizations, thankfully we got NJCC here and some that really care about the community, but like there's almost like a disconnect, you know, we know black entrepreneurs need access to capital. We're not getting the access to capital ones that need it the most small business community. So what is, what is the lending community doing wrong? The lending community is the problem is that there aren't a lot of NJCCs. So like you said, they get it. They they do patient lending. They want to help. They care about the community. But if you go into these bigger institutions and some of these institutions I do bank with, I can't get a loan from them, which is unfortunate. And then, you know, they create. Oh, I wish I could say more, but I can't. They so there's one entity that's supposed to be helping us with like small business, you know, growth. It's a big, it's a big institution, but then they say in there investing two million dollars, but none of that money is actually going to the entrepreneur. It's like you're a bank, you want to create opportunities, uh, you know, mentoring opportunities for me to grow my business, but then you won't give me money to scale up. Um, so I think that's what they're doing wrong is that, you know, a lot of these and big institutions are creating these programs where they want to support small businesses, but they're not putting the dollar behind the small business. You're just figuring out another way to pay your own employees, which is unfortunate. It's like, put the money in the hands of the entrepreneur, give them a real opportunity. People need money to grow businesses. Anything else is really futile. Like mentorship is great. But after you done did five, 10 mentorship programs, it's like, how many more mentorship programs can I do? I know how to run my business. Now I need to scale up. In order to scale up, I need money. So put your money where your mouth is. And it's unfortunate that there aren't enough institutions like NJCC who is willing to, you know, take a risk, you know, it might not be your traditional lender. You know, a lot of these big institutions are looking for people with 700, 800 credit scores. And if you are climbing out of poverty, in which we, for the most part, most of us, the entrepreneurs are from this community, we are literally climbing out of poverty, then your credit will take a hit. Your finances will take a hit. But if you have a great idea and you can prove that your business model work, give the people the money. That's the only way that they can improve their balance sheet and improve their credit. You need money. That's it. You just need access to capital. It's really, it's not like rocket science. Put access your money where your mouth is. Access to capital, have some leverage, go out there and purchase equipment, everything else. And I access. sense a frustration 
from a lot of the entrepreneurs I've had on the podcast thus far who have been in business 15 years, you know, successfully paying off loans, you know, but when it comes time to go to get another loan, all of a sudden now it's an issue, right? And it's like, well, if somebody like yourself who has paid off multiple loans, has a proven track record of success, has all their stuff documented, and when people like yourself are having issues getting loans from banks, what does that say about the rest of us? You know, like you said, people that are trying to lift themselves up out of poverty through entrepreneurship, but are not getting that access to capital for a variety of reasons. So, you know, I appreciate you sharing your story and sharing that advice and being open, and honest about it, because you are a successful, proven entrepreneur that has been through the ringer, that is hiring from the local community. I don't know any other entrepreneurs that like these are the type of people that we need to get that patient capital to. I can't say it more than that. So right now you've got impact investors, entrepreneurs, nonprofit lenders from all over the country, all over the world. What closing remarks would you like to leave them with about Newark Moonlight Cinema, Newark Moonlight Cinema, patient capital, and anything else that's on your heart and on your mind today? You know, Newark Moonlight Cinema, that's my baby. Um, I really love and appreciate what I've been able to create for the community. I love the feedback that it's gotten. It has, it's a proven model. And, you know, I would like the opportunity to scale it. You know, I want to open up more drive-in movie theaters in other communities around the country. And um, I think I have a track record that proves that I can get it done. So I would like the opportunity to get more patient capital to scale up because being a small business owner is great. But, you know, it comes with the struggle, a lot of struggle. And there are a lot of times where, you know, you're choosing between ramen and steak. Sometimes it's just ramen those weeks. It is sometimes the state, but I want to be able to continue to, you know, you know, use my business as a way to pay myself. Like, I think people don't understand how important that is. Like you have a business, but sometimes you don't even have a paycheck. You know, you're paying everybody else, but you don't get paid. So I would like the opportunity to be able to scale my business up. So, you know, if you are willing to support a black woman and husband, entrepreneur team, you know, North Moonlight Cinema is the way to go. I forgot to mention, it's also worth noting how much innovation y'all are even doing with that space, because talk to us about what's going on right now um, at the property where the cinema's at. Oh, yeah. So um, there's two forms of innovation. I, I want to first give my husband a credit for, you know, building movie theater screens out of shipping containers. We have an on-site restaurant. That whole thing is built out of shipping containers. My husband is like, you know, doing his thing with repurposing shipping containers and finding different uses for them. So that's great. And also now we are doing Dasher's Light Show, which is a uh, Christmas, a drive-through Christmas light show where the music plays through your car radio and the lights sync with the music. It's a really great experience. We've been open since November 19th. We are open until January 2nd every day, even on the holidays from 5 to 11 p.m., and if you're looking for something to do with your kids, you know, this holiday season, bring them out. But in this, from an entrepreneur standpoint, too, it's like you have a drive-in. You know, drive-ins are, well, our drive-in and most drive-ins are a seasonal business, especially in this area. Because in the winter, no one really wants to sit in their car and, um, you know, watch a movie when it's 30 degrees outside. So as an entrepreneur, we knew that from after Halloween until like, 
April of the next year, there was going to be a lot of dead time. And, you know, we wanted to figure out how can we repurpose the space. And we got this opportunity to work with the Dasher's company out of Houston who came to us and say, hey, we're spreading, we're growing, we need space, we want to work with y'all. And we was like, oh, yeah, let's do it. It makes sense. And it's been um, it's been tremendous for the community. We get a lot of great feedback. People love it. Our weekends are packed. This past Saturday, we saw like 700 cars in one day. So, you know, we are really thankful for the way that the community is really embracing us. And, you know, as we keep changing and, you know, being innovative, they're changing and supporting us in that. Love it. So where can people find you at? How can they support? Where are we sending them to today? Okay, check me out on Instagram at HollywoodRebel underscore. You can check out Nork Moonlight at Nork Moonlight on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Ayan, it's been a pleasure having you here today. I appreciate you making time. Again, this is why we do this podcast, to give entrepreneurs like Ayana a platform And we need the patient capital community to support her and help her scale this so she can make more impact and continue to hire more people from the community. And so what you can do for all of us today is just continue to listen to the podcast and do us a favor and subscribe to Black Entrepreneurs Survive and Thrive on Substack, our newsletter series at the link in the show notes. You can also subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever listening service you're using today. We greatly appreciate it if you left us a review and shared this podcast with someone in your network who, who you feel can benefit from hearing these inspiring and uplifting stories of black entrepreneurs. To learn more about the Center for Urban Entrepreneurship and Economic Development at Rutgers Business School, visit www.business.rutgers.edu slash Q. That's C-U-E-E-D. You can click the link in the show notes. Until next time, peace, love, and have a great rest of your week.